Hey guys, just a quick note. As some or all of you know, I am Ukrainian American. I was born and raised in Ukraine. And so in my business sense and my hard attempt to support freedom and to stand with Ukraine, my company, You to Shine, has launched a line of products where 100% of the profit goes to buy much needed supplies for Ukrainian people and then ship them without overhead, without any cost, all run by volunteers who are close, clients and friends, um, both here in US to acquire supplies and then in Ukraine. With that, if you would like to participate in this effort, please go to store.u2shine.com and that is S-T-O-R-E dot Y-U-2 S-H-I-N-E dot com. With every product that you buy, the profit from that product goes 100% to support Ukraine. Please wear the gear with pride and share the word. Thank you so much and much love to you as you stand for freedom, as you stand for peace, and as you stand with Ukraine. In the world of many internal and external voices, the voice you listen to is the voice that dictates your life. Would you like to discover a clear path to a life of freedom and fulfillment? Then welcome to All About The Voice podcast, where we focus on awareness, alignment, and action in order to live a life of abundance. I am your host, Victoria Rader. Candace Smiley is a mom a podcaster, and an essentialist living in a 250 square feet home filled with love, healing, and true empowerment of the one who has overcome. Candace's story of healing and overcoming is vulnerable, hope-giving, genuine, and timely. Here's Candace, a voice for trusting the niggle. Okay, and here with me is absolutely beautiful inside and out, Candace Smiley. Your last name tells the story of your soul, Candace. Your soul <laughs> smiling at me. <laughs> yes, well, it's hard to be anything but smiling with a last name like mine. <laughs> I love that. I love your story. I love your story. I've picked at your podcast. And as we briefly talked, I think I'd love to share you with my All About the Voice audience through that chronology of your life, kind of starting from the insights. And I'd love to learn about each one of those deeper and probably get the lesson from each one of them. So 20 years ago, you find yourself having survived two years of sexual assault from your boyfriend. Take us back there. Well, I had grown up really you know, very safe. And I loved my childhood, to be honest. But I think it may not have set me up to recognize that not everybody in the world is going to be kinder in your favor. And so, yeah, I had met somebody on some world travel that I'd taken it when I was 17. And he had showed some interest in me. I was very innocent at the time very unfamiliar with things like gaslighting and manipulation, which was certainly key, I think, in what ended up happening. Because I did have this sensation in my gut that maybe I wasn't going to be safe with this human being. But I didn't have any logical reason, right, to back that up. Everything I was seeing was 
you know, you shower me with affection, you name it, right? And all the ladies who've been there done that, they know what I'm talking about. And so when he showed up, he was from another country, he showed up, he came to visit. And within eight hours, I had lost basically everything. And I didn't know who I was. And I didn't have the courage to say anything to him because I didn't want to make him uncomfortable. And like so many of us, I was raised Mm -hmm. to be a nice girl. And it's taken me years, you know, to come to a place where I can talk about that A, without shame, without any judgment for myself, but also sort of this awareness that, you know, the word nice, the etymology of the word nice is actually the stupid, <laughs> if you look it up. And words have become really powerful for me, right? Because I think we create our world with our word. And so, you know, I was a nice girl. I wanted to do the right thing. And I had, you know, an experience that wasn't necessarily very positive. Now, I ended up staying in that relationship for two years because of things like the gaslighting where, you know, he would apologize afterwards and all this other stuff. And so it was an endless cycle until I finally came to a point where I just couldn't put up with it anymore and finally found the courage to leave. Hmm. You know, a couple of things I wanted to explore here first as you were talking, you know, that the information came through so powerfully for me that difference between kind and nice, you know, that you can be kind and that involves you being kind to yourself, you being one of the kind because you are, we're each so deeply individually unique. And so maybe time to stop being nice at a cost of being kind (laughs) to yourself first and foremost and then to others. It's powerful stuff. And tell me, why do you think that before we want Yeah. Why do you think all of us numb that voice? Like, I loved what you said. I had a gut feeling, right? You Mm -hmm. call it the niggle. I call it the voice. You had the gut feeling. And why do we ignore it, Candice? I don't think we're necessarily taught to trust ourselves. It certainly wasn't a conversation that I was having with any women in my life. It certainly wasn't something I was, you know, we're not really taught, right, to trust ourselves. We're not taught to listen to ourselves. We're not taught to bring those things. I think because maybe parents and people in general don't want to present scary things, things like, you know, if your gut goes off in a way that is powerful to the person who might be experiencing that. And I mean, I'm a parent now of two. So I've thought a lot about this, right? How do I not put ideas in her mind so that she, you know, begins to mistrust people, but rather that how do I phrase it so that she can start to trust herself? If something feels off, even if she doesn't know why it's off, and even if she mentioned it to someone else who goes, oh, I didn't, I didn't get that sense, she can still lean into it and trust herself to figure out why that is, or at least have an awareness of it. And then I think, you know, we're raised, I mean, we're raised by women who were raised by women to be nice, to be good. We weren't necessarily taught to be kind to ourselves, right? We sort of had this idea of, you know, be quiet, mm-hmm. be gentle. You know, I was raised very much that way, right? Be, be gentle, be kind and all these things. But I wasn't also raised with the other side. I don't know that I ever saw my mother get mad. I saw her be passive. I saw her Mm. express her frustrations, but I don't know if I ever saw her get mad. And certainly there were certain instances she could have been. And so one of the things I've been really reinforcing with my daughter is we are vibrant beings. We feel angry and it's actually okay to be angry. How you deal with the angry is, you know, a huge responsibility. And so we've been working through that, but not that she would learn to stuff down the feelings 
of not being heard or not being felt, or I was uncomfortable. Because if we create more of a safe space for that and respect the sensation and the feeling, even if we don't understand it, we as someone who might be listening, you know, to it, I think we begin to create a safe space where more women don't push down the voice. I love that. I absolutely love that. And what you said earlier resonated so beautifully is that do not look for logical explanation at the moment of a prompting. Follow that calling. Follow that feeling. Mm -hmm. Allow for things to become clear later, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I had been raised to listen to that, when he started behaving in ways that weren't, I could have said, oh, that's the reason. And that's been true, I think, throughout my story is the why became clear later, but you don't always know it when you know it. (laughs) Trust yourself anyway. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So, okay, moving forward, leaving the boyfriend behind Mm -hmm. with his story, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you were amazing to move past it. And then I'm going to 13 years ago. This is the most haunting sentence I've read in your little synapse, it said, 13 years ago, I decided not to kill myself. Take us there. So post the assault, I didn't know how to talk about what had happened. I didn't know how to support myself through that. A lot of the energy I heard when I did find the courage to, you know, mention, you know, I have a friend and she had a tough time with her boyfriend and I would try to sort of skirt around the issue because I couldn't say the words like sexually assaulted. That was something that took me almost 20 years to be able to say. So I was sort of carrying all that inside me with the words of other people in my head saying, oh, well, that kind of stuff happens to everyone. And it was almost like, being assaulted or losing some part of myself forcefully or violently in this way was actually sort of a rite of passage as a woman. And that was really challenging for me because that really challenged a lot of the core beliefs I had, plus how I viewed myself. The whole situation changed how I looked at myself. And I think when we go through circumstances like mine or like this, we lose trust in ourselves. And that's a very scary place to be because it affects everything else. You don't trust yourself. You don't know if you can make good decisions, etc. So I blamed myself a lot for where I was and what I was going through and how I continually seemed to attract now. But now I was a victim. And now I sort of was like walking wounded, right? And so people who prey upon those kinds of people kept finding me, whether it was in business or other you know, circumstances, you know, other boyfriends, etc. And so I really felt quite beat up by that point. And I was laying on the floor and contemplating, and it wasn't the first time I'd contemplated it, but it was certainly the most significant moment. And I realized that if I actually did it, then these people would win. And that thought of going out Mm. by, you know what I mean? That was almost worse. It was like, but if I can find some silver lining to this, if I can learn to talk about this, if I can heal, and certainly... I'd been devouring personal development books. I'd been desperately looking for relief and to figure it out, right? So I'd been attracted to stories of women who'd gone through rape and that sort of stuff. And I would figure out, okay, so if they can get through it, then I can get through it. But how do I get through it? And so I guess there was sort of this niggle. So the niggle can also be positive that there maybe was more. There was maybe more for me and that maybe I could get there. And I remember thinking, it's going to be hard, 
right? That I knew intuitively that the work to get to a place of healing, relief, and peace was going to be a lot of work. And I remember thinking, yeah, but it's already hard every day. It's hard to get up every day and feel this broken. It's hard to get up and feel this disconnected that, you know, if I could fight my way through it, maybe I could start to feel again because I'd very much shut myself off. And so I missed things like laughing, right? I missed being at peace. And so when I finally found the courage to make the phone call, I called one of those hot, you know, helplines and I just said, I need help. And within a couple of days, I had, you know, been on a phone call with a professional who sort of helped me work through that initial scary. And then I was sitting in a chair with a woman who ended up being an incredible first point of contact that. I wasn't broken. I wasn't damaged. I'd had an experience and she was really powerful for me to begin to reframe that and work on some healing. I think one of the biggest things about it that was no. shocking for me was nobody had judged me. That was interesting is I was definitely mm -hmm. judging myself much harder than anybody else has. You know, Candace, I just feel very strongly to kind of talk to whoever is listening from two different perspectives, because your story stirred deep within me, a story I haven't thought of for many, many years. My second cousin, you know, just my, whatever the relationship was, my, uh, on my father's side, we actually lost her. I was a little girl. And I remember the story. She actually got pregnant from a married man and went to do an illegal abortion and was killed during the procedure. And the reason I'm bringing this kind of a sad story in is that at some point she was talking to her mom and she said, you know, what would you do? I have this friend who got pregnant from a married man. What would you do if, you know? And so what you said too, I just think if you are a parent and if your child is talking about a friend who has these kinds of troubles, listen up. And come mm -hmm. with such a phenomenal support. And the first thing say, well, the one thing I wish for this child is that they would talk to their mom or dad, if you're a dad mm -hmm. who's listening, because yeah. I know they could be there to help. I have chills as I say that because I think you've created a sacred space to possibly have saved someone's life. I really do. You know, I don't throw this around lightly. I really do. So, so I'm grateful that you've saved your life to hopefully save someone's today and in many other instances. So thank you. Yeah, very, thank you. very I, profound. It, um, and if you are that girl, if you are considering it, if you are laying there on the floor, just listen to Candace, call that number and you will be helped without judgment, without judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Poignant, poignant. So you have made a choice to live which we're grateful mm -hmm. for. And then I'm moving <laughs> forward 10 years ago. Here you are. You were left with $350,000 of bad debt. What happened there and how did you move through that? Well, I managed to get up off the floor and started the healing work. And just about the time that I was starting to feel like I had my feet back underneath me, I was making great choices. I had just bought my first apartment, right? So my life was on the up, upswing. And that's when I met someone and he swept in, not unlike the first boyfriend did, <laughs> Women, I think we hear much better than we can see and much better than we can think. And so I was at a point where I was mm -hmm. looking to make different decisions. 
And because he was successful and because it was fun and all this other stuff, I bravely stepped into a new relationship. And unfortunately, that individual tried very hard. I remember he tried very hard to be a really good person. But unfortunately, there was some history for him there. And it ended up four and a half years later, he left me and the country <laughs> and left me holding the bag on some bad debt. Mm. Now, comes from a history of narcissistic type behaviors where, you know, they'll just do what they need to do at any cost for themselves and then leave other people in their wake. And so I should have seen that. So again, it wasn't all bad, certainly in the beginning. And I can remember specifically him saying, trying, I'm going to be a better man because I want to be with you. And unfortunately, I don't think you know, you can do some of that kind of healing in relationships. You need to be good before you get into a relationship. So anyway, yeah, I made another dumb decision and, you know, failing forward, failing fast. And then I got left with this bad debt. Now, this was really tricky for me because I finally felt like I was getting my personal life on board. And now my financial life literally collapsed all the way on the inside. And then I had to navigate foreclosure court. I had to navigate, you know, what I claim bankruptcy and all these other things. And thankfully got introduced to a lot of great people who helped me navigate that. But it certainly wasn't. And I mean, one of the reasons I made it through that as well as I did is because I was leaning back on the fact, well, I didn't kill myself and I lived through sexual assault. So I can certainly live through this. Does that make sense? It was sort of, okay, this is bad. And what can I learn from it? So again, by this point, I had firmly decided that even though I kept making dumb decisions in terms of you know, partners in life, that was something I would eventually fix. And so threw myself again, back into personal development, again, back into some healing. I did some hard work to get myself out of that mess. <laughs> so, you know, and I think I have to share some no. of the story. <laughs> Because people say, well, how come you kept on making these decisions? And I'm like, hurt people hurt people. And so I didn't do the work. I kept thinking I was good and better. And I probably should have just kept working on myself. I should have. And there was a niggle, right? Six months in, he admitted, you know, who he was and what he was trying to recover from. And at that point, I should have powerfully said, okay, you know what? Why don't you go take a year, go sort yourself out, let's stay friends and let's see what happens. That's what I would have done if I was, you know, who I am today with great boundaries <laughs> and a great, you know, healthy self-respect. But what I ended up saying to him was, well, I love you and I will help you and I'll be with you because I still didn't want to say, I didn't want to make him uncomfortable still. So I still had some work to do on that. I wasn't being a good advocate for myself. So even though I was healing some of the traumas, I hadn't healed to have good boundaries. I hadn't healed to come to a place where I could recognize, whoops, I am still attracting the wrong person who's a great person, but he's not going to be good for me. He's still got his own stuff to work on. And I think as women, we like being needed. It feels good for our ego to be needed. And it's so much easier to try to help somebody else get better rather than doing the hard work to work on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. This is poignant. <laughs> and I think this life is all about learning that difference right? between loving and pleasing yes. and empowering and enabling. <laughs> I yes. think when we get what it is to love and empower versus please and enable, we're done. We're like, we're, we're done. We can go home. <laughs> you know? I joke with yes. my kids. I say, aren't you so happy? I'm so imperfect because it means I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning full time. 
<laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> you know, so no need yeah. to worry. Mommy's going to be here. So anyway, no, this is fantastic. It's a fantastic journey. You know, I was going to ask you the lessons, but you've kind of given them so far so beautifully of learning that a you can live through sexual assault and find your wholeness past it (laughs) and b that you can live and literally be picked up and then you can claim the ability to live not just survive right we go through Mm -hmm. that stage of survival and Mm -hmm. having survived you say wait a minute i've learned that now i'm going to learn how to live (laughs) and i think i'm looking at these amazing you know points here for you. Eight years ago, went into consumer proposal to fix that. And six years ago, welcomed my beautiful daughter into the world. So mm-hmm. tell us about these bright moments and what was the wave there? Yeah. So, you know, I had met some amazing people and I decided not to claim bankruptcy, even though I was told I should. And I said, no, there's other ways. And so I ended up working very hard for a couple of years, but it was good because I was sort of betting on myself. And I think by that point I'd realized, okay, so I make dumb decisions in terms of life partners. So maybe we won't make a life partner decision for a while, but I do know that I can work hard. And I had a career that I loved by that point. And so I was willing to bet on myself. And so I sort of decided to stay in my strength zone rather than, you know, continue to always work on what wasn't good, right? I was like, I'm going to kind of ignore what wasn't good for a while and just focus on what I could control, which I think was a good decision. In that meantime, I did end up meeting someone. I was very honest about where I was at. We did end up getting married, had a baby very quickly after that. And that was really good, safe space for a while. It was very much a level up relationship. I did end up deciding to leave it, which you'll see a little bit later in the story. But it was a good space to sort of grow into and then eventually grow out of. And so my daughter shows up in the world. And I think this was, you know, a big moment because I realized, you know, I wasn't willing to do as much work as maybe I needed to, to be as honest as I needed to about Mm -hmm. some of the habits and patterns that I kept repeating. And they weren't just in my personal, like my romantic relationships, they were showing up in my friendship relationships, they were showing up in business relationships. And I started to pay attention that unfortunately, the only one involved in all of these things was me. And so I had to begin to stop thinking of myself as the victim. What are some of those red flags? What are some of those red flags? Because you're coming from such a point of awareness. But I think when Mm -hmm. I or somebody else is is at that moment, you are at that moment because you lack the awareness. So what am I to look for, right? What am I to look for where your confidence comes from? I knew I wasn't. What am I looking for? Right. Okay. So I think in general, I would take it right back to what I would call the niggle or what you call the voice. So for me, it's that little blip (laughs) in your sense. For me, it's in my gut. For some people, women usually, we usually feel it in our bodies. Okay. So if you're tuned out from your body, like I was for a very long time, obviously with the sexual assault, I think that's why I had to fight to get back to a point where I could feel it and hear it because I had divorced myself so much from my physical self. And I started to have to reconnect with myself as I did, I discovered that it didn't feel good. And so I felt not good very much of the time. So this manifested itself in, I would be late for a lot of things. It was really hard for me to be on time, which I now know is a very subconscious thing of my body was saying, I don't really want to go here. And I don't have a good excuse. So I'll be late. So I can apologize. But when I apologize, and I continue to feel bad. If I continue to feel bad, I continue the cycle where now I'm a victim and I feel bad and I can never, does that make sense? So I was starting to recognize some of these habits. 
that I wasn't late for certain things and I was late for other things. And so it was awareness of that. It was certain things like I learned that when you're learning to feel into what's good for you and what's not good for you, if you've never done it or you've been like me and you've turned off that part of yourself, then it's not going to feel like sunshine, lollipops and roses or puppy farts. That's what somebody said. It's like puppy farts. And I was like, Mm. yeah, totally. (laughs) But it will feel like (laughs) relief, right? So relief for me felt better than what I was feeling when I was not listening to myself. And so I realized that I could start to listen to what felt a little bit better. And if it was, well, I could do this or that. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that one feels better. So I will go that direction. So honestly, in my marriage, it was a lot of, okay, that's not quite right. Oh, this is better. It's not quite right. Oh, this is better. Oh, I totally shouldn't have done that. It was a lot of like two steps forward and three steps back. But I sort of hung on to this feeling of relief, which for me was just like a little tiny lift in my body, it just felt a little bit less awful <laughs> than what I was currently feeling. And I think that was part of the reason why I didn't want to sort of tune back in as I realized, unfortunately, how much of my life, my business relationships, my friendships, everything was so out of alignment with who I had originally wanted to be when I was 17, what I wanted for my life. And now I had this beautiful, tiny human being and I didn't know who I wanted to be. And that was challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I can hear I the know. new one talking. I know. Filling I know. in. Filling I in. To come grab him. face with life. I love it. I yeah. love it. No, listen. Babies and puppies are always welcome. <laughs> we will make room for the happy life noises. <laughs> anytime. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> now, four years ago, though, I love how you put it here. I left my marriage to fall in love with myself. I love it. And I think you're kind of describing that profound work of finding who you are so that you could love who you are, so you could allow somebody else to love who you are fully and completely. I think that's the exactly. hardest. We go from that love to trusting love. And so, so talk to me. Two years ago, you say, I allowed myself to heal and reconnect with my feminine. What was that like? So that. That I think was the biggest work that I've done yet, because for the first time ever, I was finally willing to tune in to who I was. Do you mind if we just pause this real quick and I go grab him? Oh, guess what, you guys? We are now joined by amazing little life bundle. Little Jack is here with us for continuation of the <laughs> podcast. We're going to finish beautifully because we are in a innocent, powerful, gorgeous energy of that Thank baby. You. So I feel spoiled. <laughs> so tell me, tell me that two years ago, how did you reconnect with the feminine? And obviously, you are now with your lifetime love. I think I've you know spied on you. Is it Mark? Is your lifetime's love Mark? Did I yes, spy you did? <laughs> yeah, no. And for me, so tell us, bring us to where you sure. are now. So for me, I had, uh, I think, because of the sexual assault, I had leaned so far into the masculine part of my of my being because I wanted to take care of myself and protect myself. And so there wasn't a lot of space for the feminine, for receiving, for that sort of thing. So I think when I 
finally came to the point when the world shut down in 2020. It was an opportunity that I've been waiting for for the last 20 years to finally stop and say, okay, I'm going to do the hard work to do the healing. I'm going to take some time and I'm going to go deep. And so I actually spent 14 weeks in personal developments. And so I had a therapist on Monday and a feminine balance coach on Thursday and pretty much anybody else I knew who was, you know, some sort of a healer in some modality. And I threw myself back into that and reconnected, finally took a look back at everything that had gone wrong, did some radical forgiveness, not for them necessarily, but for me. And, you know, that I had gotten myself this far. There was a lot of acceptance. It is what it is. It was what it was. Now I'm here, right? I will never be who I was. That's okay. I had never really allowed the bad things, whatever you want to call them. You know, they just were, but (laughs) the things that had had a negative impact on my life, I had never really um, acknowledged that they changed me. I sort of fought to continue to be who I was and continue to move forward rather than saying, yeah, that hurt. And yeah, that was hard. And yeah, this is going to change me. And so moving into that place of acceptance actually brought a lot of peace. In fact, more peace than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be kind of awful to go back and and relive it, but there wasn't a lot of reliving it. It was like, oh, okay, that is and that was. And now here we are. Fast forward to the reconnection. I had no idea now how to live and operate as my new feminine self. I had been in the masculine for so long, it felt weird. And so every day was about introducing myself to my new self (laughs) and introducing my, you know, the world to who I was now becoming. That allowed me to disappear into the back country, which is what I did a lot of because I couldn't travel anymore. And it was in the back country that I met Mark, who was a gentleman who had been doing a lot of work on his masculine side. And so we sort of met each other in this beautiful place of I'm working on me and you're working on you. And fast forward, uh, you know, and here we have Jack. And so it's been really quite amazing to come to this place where I think I'm more at peace. And the most interesting (laughs) thing about it is as people are meeting me and re-meeting me, they're like, there's just something different about you. And I'm going, yeah, I am at peace with what happened to me. I'm not hiding any part of myself. In fact, I'm talking about it on the regular, out loud as much as I can, largely because a lot of the grief and the shame that kept me silent for years and then not attempting big things and not speaking my mind and worry about making people uncomfortable. That's all gone away. Now that I've acknowledged what happened to me, what it did in terms of affecting me, and it's allowed me to show up in total integrity, which is a place I wish more women could live and operate from because it feels amazing. That's amazing indeed. And, you know, you guys, as you're listening to Candace, you can see that there is very few points that you might find yourself struggling that where you feel nobody else will understand. I think it's going to be hard to say it about Candace. And so I think if you want to connect with her and with her guidance, you can find her on her website, CandaceSmiley.com. I'll be also leaving that for you in your episode notes, you guys. And listen to her podcast, Trust the Niggle, Tell the Truth create the ripple because clearly Candace had to trust the niggle to 
tell the truth. And she's creating the ripple. I think this <laughs> podcast is going to spill over with the ripple. So I'm going to, you know, to wrap up the way I usually do all my episodes, Candice, I'm going to take you three quick mm-hmm. questions. And the first one is, I want to go to the moment of where you need yourself most. And I think that moment when you do find yourself laying on the floor, contemplating whether to stay or to go from the place of where you are now, what would you tell yourself at that moment? And I actually want you to imagine that you are, because it is all a part of a healing, mm-hmm. right? And I think it might've been your voice here now <laughs> that you were hearing That's a beautiful, them. powerful way to look at it. I would probably tell myself, hey, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of work. I don't really want to sugarcoat it, not for me and not for any of your listeners, because I think that does a disservice and discouragement and false hope are much harder to deal with than the reality of what is. There's a, a magic that comes when you accept what, what is and you can move into solutions. So I think I would tell myself, hey, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it hurts. And you have definitely got more in you than you can possibly imagine. And I would reiterate, you know, if you give up now, then he wins. And your story might help someone else. I think that was something I remember feeling at the time that, you know, we're not given more than we can handle, whether you, uh, you know, come from a doesn't matter the background, I came up in a conservative Christian background. And so the attitude I had at the time was, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Now I would say, you know, who knows if I didn't plan to come through this so that I could share the story. Anyway, regardless, you have what you need to go through it. And it's in front of you because you can overcome it. And so I think I would have reminded myself, you are an overcomer and you will get through this. People are meaning making machines. And so that moment that happened doesn't have to define you it will become a defining moment but what can you do from it and who can you become because of this and to look for that moment at the end when it is good and you can look back and go okay I survived that and now my story hopefully will help someone maybe not get into that situation or get out faster or at least find the courage to get up off the floor I love that I absolutely love that. And now I'm going to invite Candice from 20 years from now, who's going to sit right there by you in your gorgeous tiny house. You guys, she lives in a home that's 250 square feet. Is that correct? (laughs) And, but I got to tell you, it's filled with so much love that the size of that is expanding way beyond its physical boundary. It's, I mean, you reached me from Canada all the way here, girl. So (laughs) there's a lot to be said for that. And so your higher self comes from 20 years from now. What do you need to hear from her? What does she tell you now? Hmm. She would say, you got this. I've come to really enjoy that it's not just about getting there, you know, moving beyond what is uncomfortable or any of that sort of thing. I'd probably say dream bigger, try harder, give a little more be a little more present. It'd be very much about, you know, we only have power in the moment. We hear that a lot, right? It sounds very, sounds very pretty, but the reality is it's true, right? It's in this moment of presence that we have any kind of power. And so I think I would encourage more presence and just stay close. And finally, if there was one message 
you know, one quote, one story, whatever it is that you would want our family here at All About the Voice to remember you by, what would that be? Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Yeah, trust yourself and make the bet on you, right? You are, you've only got you and the world needs who you are. I think that each of us have a really unique space to play. It took me 20 years to find the courage to start talking about what had happened. I know it doesn't have to be a time limit, but I think if more people can just come to that place where they trust themselves and live out loud, whatever it is they need and who they want to be, I think we ultimately heal the world in a very big way. Love it. Thank you so much, Candace. Thank you for making time for us. And thank you, Jack. <laughs> thank you. This was Candace Smiley, inviting you to trust yourself. Listen to Candace and her guests on her Trust the Niggle, Tell the Truth, Create the Ripple podcast. And check her site, CandaceSmiley.com, for her current offers. This is all about the voice podcast, and I want to hear your voice. What has been of the greatest value to you today? Share your insight and share this episode with others. All links are in the description. I also want to invite the voice of happiness into your life via our iHappy Daily and iHappy Me apps, our daily energy boosters. You can download these apps, including a free version of iHappy Me from the Apple App Store or the Google Play App Store. For the voice of daily encouragement, grow with us with our free My Tree of Life Facebook group. If you want to join us in exploring how you can live your life with more freedom, head over to youtoshine.com. That is Y-U, number two, S-H-I-N-E dot com. I can't wait to get to know you and be a part of your journey of endless possibilities. Thank you again for listening to All About the Voice. I'm Victoria Rader, and I'll see you on the next episode. Oh, 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 o